welcome to episode 86 of the Swamp Flicks podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. I'm Brittany Lovas. I'm James. And we are recording in James's apartment in Mid-City, New Orleans on an extremely hot day in the middle of the summer. Heat index of 112. <laughs> That's too much. It's disgusting. <laughs> this episode might be a little bit shorter because we had to turn off the AC and it's already getting very hot. Yeah, here. instantly. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the height of summer right now. The year is halfway over. And this is about when we look back on like the best movies from the previous year that we had missed uh, by the time we did our best of the year episodes. I'm, I'm kind of recalling correctly, James's favorite movie last year was the Paul Schrader climate change meditation first reformed. I know you're using meditation as a slur. It's not a slur. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what else would you call that? No, it it's was. not a drama. Really. It was. I just know you didn't like it. So. Uh, and Britney's was Hereditary. Yes. Uh, and Ari Aster has a new movie in the theaters right now. <laughs> fantastic it's really good yeah can't wait to see it and mine was the wild boys which i don't even know what to call that a a pansexual bazaar some hot stuff i doubt we've seen anything since then that would have like bested any of those films for us personally no it just made me more confident in my decision i agreed yeah (laughs) my my choice would have been in my top five oh interesting last year yeah uh the one we're talking about later on Mm -hmm. okay we each went around and picked a movie to present to each other as like a film we should have caught up with. Right. But are there any other films you caught up with besides your selection for today that you really enjoyed from last year? From last year? Oh, I don't know. No? You put no thought into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought we were just going to talk about what we've seen in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. okay. I mean, is there anything from last year that really stands out to you that you missed before you made your best of the year list? No. No? <laughs> Damn. Anything you caught up on? No, I mean... Not even like Oscar season. Oh, I did. I did see the favorite after, oh, well, oh, cool. which would have been in my. That would have been like a number one or two, oh. probably. Oh my god! Yeah. I still haven't seen it. You haven't seen? It? Oh, mm. it's my favorite Yorgos Lanthimos movie. I've been almost liking his movies. Yeah, more and more so gradually, and I feel like that was him like meeting me halfway. Like it was definitely. I, I just watched all six seasons of Downton Abbey in the past month. Uh, oh, getting ready for the movie. Yeah. I'm, that's that's what I'm doing in October. In October? Yeah. Oh, is it that late in the year? I'm going to cry. No, that's I think the movie comes out like during the holidays, oh, like wow. November-ish. So I, was, I, wanted to, I like to watch Downton Abbey when it's like slightly breezy outside. I mean, they always have that big Christmas spectacular. So I know. Sense. I guess I thought it was going to take me longer than it did. I didn't realize I ran out of episodes so quickly. I saw a lot of your Facebook posts and stuff. You were like very like you're feeling the downtown talking to no one. No one else is watching the show right now. (laughs) But it felt like Yorgos Lanthimos like taking that kind of stuffy soap opera about Mm. like Victorian times and Mm. uh, kind of turning it on its head in this really vicious dark comedy way. Well, and that's the thing too. I think all of his films have had this kind of undercurrent of comedy, especially like The Lobster and. But this one was full on like dark comedy and it was hilarious and the directing was beautiful too. So yeah, that would definitely crack the top five, maybe top three. I love how um, he makes fun of people's like behavior and social situations. And it feels like that older setting might've been why I liked it so much because those settings have all these like social rules that you're supposed to follow and they're all like really absurd. Oh yeah, with the huge wigs and the elaborate outfits and the proper way to dance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> things like that. And he plays with all of that. It's really fun and beautiful and fun yeah. and fucked up. Yeah. So great film. What about, what about you, you Brittany? Brittany? <laughs> In stereo. <laughs> Whoa. I 
think it would probably like be an honorable mention or maybe like my 10th favorite but i watched um book club what <laughs> is that where all the elderly dames of hollywood uh read 50 shades of gray <laughs> yes <laughs> That's ex- that's the plot of the film, essentially. Who's in that? Mary Steenburgen. Um, Mary Steenburgen, um, Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, and Candace Bergen. Nice. And they are all amazing, and I love them all so much. It reminded me of like the it's complicated like rom coms for older people and Britney. So <laughs> it was in that wheelhouse, and I really really liked it. Um, but yeah, they all are in this book club, and they're all women who are probably in their like mid to late 60s and they're all in different kind of parts of their life like Candace Bergen's character is a judge she's like this badass and Mary Steenburgen is having issues with her husband getting it on in the bedroom and Jane Fonda is like Blanche Devereaux essentially like she just like sleeps with a bunch of people but doesn't like sleep with them like she has sex with everybody but she's like i don't want to sleep with them in the same bed (laughs) she's great and um diane keaton's character is a widow and they all are friends and they all have a book club and then they start reading the 50 shades trilogy and like it just makes them all get super sexy (laughs) in their own way like one starts making dating profiles on bumble and she doesn't know how to, to work it. So, like, her Bumble picture is, like, her face with, like, a face mask on and her hair up in a towel. <laughs> Mary Steinbergen, like, slips a Viagra in her husband's beer. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of cool stuff happens. Well, those books are, like, S&M related. Do any of them get into, like, kinky stuff? Well, not so much. Like, it's there's some parallels. Like, Jane Fonda's character, like, she starts dating a pilot and in the book, like, he, he's, like, this rich dude that doesn't live around her. So he, like, flies her up to, like, visit him and stuff. So that was kind of similar. And Mary Steenburgen, like, her husband is fixing up this old motorcycle in their garage. And he's like, can you hand me the duct tape and the zip ties? And she's like, whoa, are you going to tie me up? <laughs> like, stuff like that will happen. <laughs> but she doesn't do it. No, okay. no, unfortunately. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was kind of hoping. It's funny because, like, they're reading this book. But they still have, like, their personalities intact. So, like, I think one of the parts, Diane Keaton's reading it, and she's like, oh, she signed that contract and she didn't have a lawyer present? Because in the book, she has to sign, like, this, like, sexual contract. And that's the first thing she thought about was, like, oh, you didn't have a lawyer? But it was good. Like, yeah. it was cute. It was very lighthearted, very fun. I liked it a lot. If it was made 15, 20 years ago, Jack Nicholson would have been fucking one of them in it. Yes. Okay. 100%. <laughs> right, kind of he could probably have been in there now, honestly. Right. <laughs> it would have been. Ed, Ed Bagley Jr. is one of the ex-husbands. And Isn't Bo Bridges in it, too? Um, Maybe not. No, but God, it feels like he should he be. He should be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the guy, he plays the, I can't think of his name, but he plays in The Princess Bride. He's the guy that does the poison. Carrie Yules? He's, no. He's short and bald. He talks oh, Wallace like Shawn. I love Wallace Shawn. He's in there. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Just every elderly uh, male actor you could think of is thrown in here at some point, and it's awesome. That's great. Um, so yeah, that's what I watched most recently from 2018 that I had been wanting to see, but I just never got around to it. Um, but now that like, you know, all these like 2018 films are now on like Hulu and stream- streaming services. So they're more available. And that's kind of the point of a lot of these movies is we didn't catch them because they played here very briefly. Or right. 
Uh, in the case of the foreign films, um, mm-hmm. they didn't come here until like months after January, even though they had right. played in New York and L.A. Uh, I'm still trying to find a way to watch Shoplifters. Oh uh, yeah, I saw that abroad. Um, oh, you did see it? Yeah, but it it didn't make so abroad until like early Netflix? February. It might be on Netflix or Hulu by now. Really? We'll Netflix, I'm going to check. Because it was on Netflix. Oh shit! Cool. It's good. I'm yeah, check that out. For it. <laughs> what about you, Brandon? Um, I did a lot of catching up around like Oscar season. There was just like I use that as an excuse, like looking at all the films nominated and seeing which ones I felt like kept catching up with. A lot of them didn't really shock me that they were good, like. Roma and if Beale Street could talk and mm. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, like obviously those are good movies and they've been praised a lot. Mm. Um, the one that really surprised me was Can You Ever Forgive Me with Melissa McCarthy. Marianne Heller uh, directed it. Her previous movie was Diary of a Teenage Girl, which was like really darkly funny and fucked up and sad. And this one to me in the trailers looked a little more like a straightforward biopic. And it ended up being really funny and fucked up and darkly funny and sad. Um, Isn't that the one you were talking about saying it was about horrible people? Yeah. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy plays a real life person called Lee Israel, who was like kind of a failed novelist. And she started paying her rent by forging literary letters from like famous people. Uh, she sold a couple of real ones she had in her collection and then ran out of them and started making fake ones and selling them. And it was this big federal crime because collectors will pay a lot of money for these things. Mm -hmm. And she just plays like a miserable, misanthropic person who hates everyone around her, hates life, hates Mm -hmm. that she has to justify her art to exist in this world. Yeah. Um, A lot of it is about being gay in the 90s and like how isolating it was for her. But she's not like the kind of person that participates in the things that would make her career go well. Like she resents the fact that she has to play politics on top of writing good books and as miserable and like sad and like hateful of other people. She is that only made her more and more relatable. Like what I saw in the ads looked like a very like unrealistic person. And what I saw in the movie was like somebody who has a lot of nuance and depth and like, it's like, yeah, I feel like that. Like, I'm not as successful. I'm not as successful as I could be if I was like nicer nice. to people. <laughs> I really want to see that because it's like not her in her typical like funny girl role, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, she's definitely like deglammed and everywhere. She's wearing like awesome. this horrible wig and like uh, Love a just bad wig. lives alone in her filth with her cats and like this like kind of hoarderish apartment. Everyone who walks into her living space is just like, oh, the stench, like immediately. Like, <laughs> even if they don't say it, you can see it register in their faces. <laughs> yeah, it just reminded me a lot of my own faults. Like, I saw a lot of myself in this person. Um, and also, Richard E. Grant is amazing mm. on, in that movie. Um, he's mm. really funny as, like, this sort of, like, bitter charlatan sidekick character for her. Nice. And I forgot he was on Downton Abbey, too. He showed up for a season. He's, like, trying to seduce Cora from under um, Lord Grantham's... Uh, eyes oh he's really fun in that too uh he plays kind of the same lilting uh ridiculous person in both movies so yeah really great way better than the ads made it look awesome and she has another project coming up that i think sounds terrible she's doing a biopic of fred rogers starring tom hanks don't care about that but i've seen two films from this person that have like exceeded expectations in a row so i don't like, know why i can't give tom that hanks trust. is a good actor but i'm like always bored yeah with his movies like i don't know except for big <laughs> for obvious reasons <laughs> great film but yeah he's kind of like 
a boring dude. He's very agreeable. I like him. Yeah, like he's but not. I guess a that's bad why they picked him to be Mister Rogers. Yeah, and like, what <laughs> depth could he really add to that character? I don't know, but he doesn't even really look like. I mean, no. What are really. they gonna do to him? <laughs> it's just that's all what I'm CGI, thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> They do the thing like the Congress where they just like uh, reanimate Mr. Rogers and like have Tom Hanks voice him. No. Um, <laughs> I like that. Well, uh, we have plenty more movies to talk about. Uh, all the selections we picked were foreign language films, um, which is probably why we're so delayed on catching up with them. Mm-hmm. But they're all available for um, VOD now. Yeah. So they're all easily accessible. Absolutely. Yep. And all that's coming up to you right, right now. Powerful humanoids. Trolls are described as being very strong, ranging from just larger than a human to the size of a mountain. Some are ugly, even hideous, and others look similar to humans. Lumbering and clumsy, these creatures are usually described as being quite dim-witted and easily tricked. However, the sheer brute force that a troll is capable of makes them a dangerous foe. So when we um, recorded our favorite movies of the year episode, uh, we asked like what movies were we, did we regret that we hadn't seen yet? And my pick for that ended up being Britney's selection for this episode because it was only playing at Zeitgeist movies back when they were on um, Aretha Castle Haley. Wow. And it played nowhere else in New Orleans. And now it's available on Hulu. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier to access. What did we watch? We watched the film Border. It's a Swedish film that's sort of like a really fucked up fairy tale, right? Yeah. It's based on a short story called like Grans. And it's uh, the same guy who wrote the novel for Let the Right One In. So it's got like these really weird like kind of horror elements to it. And the director, Ali Abassi, or Abassi, he did the film Shelley. I never saw that. It's a good horror movie. Okay. <laughs> so it's like really, you know, two talented people coming together to make something really good. This film, um, Border, it's about a woman named Tina. And she is like a border patrol officer at the border in Sweden. I don't know if it's like a an airline border or if it's like a boat. I don't Was think they like ever a specified. A fair. I thought it might have been a ferry. Yeah. I don't know. Because... I think it might be from the ferry terminal. Well, she has this really unique ability to sniff out guilt and shame on people who are coming in through the border. And she's like spot on. Like she has never been wrong. And she doesn't know why she has it. She just thinks it's like a gift. Something else that's cool about Tina is she has a lot of like Neolithic features. I don't know how to describe it. Like she looks like a heavy brow. Yeah. Like her whole she um and she's always smelling shit so she's like <laughs> snarling and she has these mm-hmm. like jagged teeth looks a little she, bit like the geico cavemen oh perfect yeah a little yes. bit yeah no a lot, a lot? okay <laughs> she also looks a little like melissa mccarthy and uh can you ever forgive me that like dumpy kind of look <laughs> it's not so exaggerated that it's unbelievable that she would be taken as a human right she just looks like she has like some kind of like she's birth defect or exaggerated something. features yeah right but she looks different. She is different. And she doesn't really have anyone in her life. She lives by herself, like, way out in the woods. And she does have a father who's still alive, but he's got, like, dementia. He doesn't live with her. He lives in, like, a home. 
And she doesn't get to see him that often. She has a deadbeat boyfriend who... Who, I don't even know if that's her boyfriend or not. Just some dude named Roland that's mooching off of her, who's like a dog breeder and dog trainer. Yeah, he's just like that low-life friend that just like crashes on your couch for a month. Yes, he's just like... Yeah, He's like there's there. No, yeah, yeah, I didn't really sense any romantic. I thought they were like husband and wife almost. Really? But he was like using her as like someone with a job and like as an excuse to not do anything. Because later in the movie, yeah. he tries to do that like, um, we should have sex because we're married. Let's have the ceremonial once a year sex that we have. And she's not into it. Okay. So I got like a late in romance. Like, I just felt like it was just some dude that like he lived with her. I mean,. For all intents and I mean, purposes, yeah, that's what he is. It was a companionship But I think he was, like, weirdly attracted to her because, like, he's really into his dogs. <laughs> and, like, her, like, abilities, I mean, are kind of, like, canine-like. Like, her features, her, like, sniffing shit out. She growls and stuff like that when she gets... Animals are attracted to her, too. Right, like right. Elk and, like... Yes, foxes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's very... Like, she doesn't have a place in the human world. Like, she doesn't have friends or family really but she does like really feel comfortable out in nature like when she's skinny dipping in the spring (laughs) in the woods um hanging out with animals just you know putting her feet to the ground like a little hippie that's where she feels at home one day she's at her job at the border and this guy comes in who like has those features the same facial features as her and I don't know. He's kind of like, he's kind of a little creep. Like he walks through and he kind of looks at her like, yeah, I know what you are and I'm into it. And she's so interested in him and he comes through and she ends up pulling him to the side. I don't know if it's cause she was like really sniffing anything or if she was intrigued and being like, what's up with this guy? I got the sense that it was the first person she couldn't read. Like, she can smell things on humans, right. and then she smelled something very different about him. Kind of like whenever, like, mind readers find one of their own, they're like, I can't read your mind. Right, right, exactly. And she calls him aside to get inspected for, like, drugs mm-hmm. or paraphernalia or something, and um, there's nothing anything. on him. Yeah. He just has, like, maggots and an incubator. <laughs> Fucking weird. <laughs> what a weirdo. Um, but yeah, he does come back at another point and gets like strip searched and the guy who's strip searching him comes back and is like, shit, that guy has a vagina. Like, you know, I I totally feel like I humiliated him. And so she kind of feels bad about it because like, this is the first time she's been wrong. Like they didn't find anything on him, but she's like super intrigued and she finds him. He's like living at this hostel and his name's Vor and he like is really into her like she's like she's into him like i don't know if it's so much like romance as it is like her finding someone that's like her and wanting to know more about like why he's the way he is so she can find out more about why she is the way she is because she always thought she had like this genetic chromosome disorder that her dad lied to her as a kid right her dad lied to her and she's like oh i'm deformed like while they're getting hot and heavy out in the woods I should mention that she does go to like he um she tells him that he can stay with her in her guest house in the woods so they like started getting really into it and then she's like you know i have i'm deformed and he's like no you're not and then he reveals what he is and kind of like when she finds out what she is we can say, we can what it can say is. It. she's a troll yeah she's a troll <laughs> so they're both trolls <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's so funny. I was wondering when you were going to get to the, so the troll. word troll. Was like, real? There's no way Brittany didn't she know that trolls, this is right? troll, right? <laughs> All right, good, good. So when she finds out that, fuck, I'm a troll... He's a troll. We're all trolls. We're all trolls. <laughs> like, it kind of helps her, like, affirm, like, I'm not crazy. Like, I know I'm different. This is why I'm different. I wasn't born with some kind of disorder. This is just how I am. Like, she, like, unleashes the beast within. Like, she goes, like, skinny dipping with him and, like, really starts feeling everything. And then they both have the most probably erotic sex scene of 2018. It's one of my favorite sex scenes of all time. It's great. Oh it's my the God. best thing about this movie, I Let's think. Let's talk about it. Okay. So she, like, doesn't know she has this, like, troll penis inside of her. Her, like, clit grows into it. It like, looks flowers like a her. Venus flytrap a little bit. Yeah. Without it opening its mouth. So it's, like, this little magical thing that's just kind of, woo, and she fucking mounts that troll guy. And the thing about the trolls, it's almost like that they're like the way that we look at men and women is almost different. Like she's mounting his ass and he's got the eggs. Yeah. She doesn't have the eggs. He's got the eggs that are going to get fertilized. His eggs are also fertilized externally and not inside. He and like, he's just got this like very, yeah, like this masculine presence too. So it's like mm-hmm. obvious like he'd be like a male troll, like just the way they present him. It's like seahorses. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's exactly what trolls are like. Seahorses. <laughs> In every way. <laughs> In every way, shape, and form. Ah, th- their sex is wild. And they growl and like howl and like sound like two dogs fighting when they do it. It's great. But yeah, so he has these unfertilized eggs in his fridge where he's staying out with Tina and she like busts through the duct tape because he's like closing this fucking fridge. And she gets these eggs and it looks like a weird little mutant baby. And it turns out that Vor is not who he seems. So Vor is like uh, a troll extremist. What happens is that humankind has experimented on trolls and abused them. And Tina finds out that her dad was working at a facility where they were experimenting on trolls. And he felt bad for her, took her and just was like, oh, you're deformed and raised her like a human being. Which apparently trolls attract lightning because they were both struck by lightning and they have these scars. So they get really scared during thunderstorms. Anyways, forgot to mention that. <laughs> well, well, Vor is just like, fuck humans. Like, they've been abusing trolls. Like, I'm going to get back at them. And here's how he gets back at them. So Tina sniffs shit out, right? She sniffed out this, like, USB thing, chock full of kitty porn. So the agents are like, we want you to help us bust this child pornography ring. I think you kitty porn this. is almost underselling how fucked Baby up it porn. is. Baby porn. People are <laughs> like, fucking babies. It's... I- insane it's so I was dark. so taken aback by that aspect <sighs> of the story it was like i mean it I, happens no i know it which happens, is bizarre it was that like, is what? morbid yeah but it's just like we already got the troll thing going on and then to bring in the like hardcore child porn right it was like really dark it was way it was darker weird. than i thought it was and gonna be thankfully you don't have to watch it but you do have to hear it and yes the yeah. movie kind of turns in this police procedural like one half is her trying to figure out who she is based on like right. Vor's info, and the other half is her investigating with the cops where this baby porn is coming from. And she's and fucking like two finding separate all tracks. of it. Yeah. yeah, 
it's it's pretty sick and well it's kind of like the worst thing a human being could do so the way vor looks at it is like we're just gonna let the human beings destroy themselves so what he fucking does is he takes those like troll egg babies and he swaps them out for real human babies takes the human babies and gives them to these like baby porn people and he thinks that's how he's getting back at humankind. It's a fucked up plot. Yeah. Fucking Vor. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like she like, I think whenever she sniffed him out, like she knew something was up with him other than him being a troll. It's possible. I think she like knew he was in on this, but she couldn't figure it out. I think it was a little harder for her. I mean, he but does, she knew. He looks like a troll that would be into child porn. <laughs> totally. <laughs> he's got pervy vibes. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the hair of the Geico caveman too. Like <laughs> insane. Well, and then, like, it's kind of just, you know, it's like, oh, was Tina gonna help him? Because now she's like, you know, I'm a troll. These humans are fucked up. Like, yeah, let's tear down the human race by doing this. Or is she, does she have, like, mo- like a moral compass? And she does. Like, and that's why, I like, I think Tina's such a good character. Like, she always does, like, the right thing, whether or not it's going to benefit her. Like, she does what she thinks is best. And, yeah, she totally is like, yeah, fuck you, Vor. Even though you're the only fucking other troll I met, you're a piece of shit. Get him. And he jumps off of a, a ferry. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if, like, trolls can swim really well. Yeah. Like, we us, they were really in the spring, with, yeah. like, swimming like people. You know, but it's like, oh, that was, like, rough waters. I just assumed he's dead. You just think to so? Put yeah. a, just to put, a, like, a period You don't on think it. there's going to be a border, too? Oh God! And then Boris back. It goes like deeper into the child sex ring. I, uh, I could do without. Yeah, all that, honestly. Wait, so you didn't like any of the child sex stuff? You didn't feel like it had a place in this? <laughs> I that that put me off. Honestly, yeah. I yeah. felt like that subplot was a little unnecessary. It's I, a choice. It's a choice. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that it went that dark. Yeah, um, I, I really think they purposely chose that because it's like that's like the sickest thing the that yeah. humans could do, and like. I mean, I Ugh. loved. I, like, I did love the sex scene too, and I love the way they kiss because <laughs> it feels animalistic, but mm-hmm. it's just like different. It's not like if it was them just making out, how humans make out, right? It wouldn't have had any emotional punch. But it's like they're discovering how to like kiss each other, yeah, like for the first time where they Animals, just like breathe heavy in each other's mouths. They're like, yeah, I, like I wanted more of that, yeah, less of like the police procedural child we sex could have like taken stuff. out that and just had like some more troll sex yeah more troll yeah definitely and she was a great character too and i mm-hmm. thought like a really sympathetic character and when she finally discovers her name yeah at the end i thought that was a really Tina, good i love her moment um, forgot what her name was and the, and the makeup i thought it was fantastic like so fucking good i had to google at the beginning like wait is this like i didn't know if it was an actor in yeah. makeup or if they found someone I was like, that would be problematic, but <laughs> right. it, but no, it was like, I looked at the actress, I was like, damn, they did a really good makeup mm-hmm. job. One of my favorite factoids about this movie is that uh, Sweden submitted it as their foreign language film um, nominee for the Oscars. Mm. Uh, and the Academy did not nominate this movie for best foreign picture because come on, it's about on. like child porn ring and like all these like trolls are fucking in the woods. It's a, <laughs> I really liked it. But I, I, I liked it too. I liked it too. But they did nominate it for best makeup. It didn't win, but I think that's a pretty good compromise, right? Because that yeah. that part's very technically like well crafted. I feel like Border is kind of like like a a Schindler's List, as in like you really only watch this once. 
and it's a good movie. But it's very you draining. Buy it on DVD and rewatch it a bunch, right? That's what kind of kind of turned me off. I I, I kind of see what you're saying with the child porn stuff too. Like, it's a much grimmer film than I usually look for in these like creature feature kind of mm-hmm. things. Very fascinated with like the troll lore and like how that's doled out. Right. And I like it's so good that the movie justifies it a little bit with having her depend on him for all this knowledge. Like he has a power over her cause he knows what they are and she doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for her to fall in love with this guy who is a scumbag. Cause he mm-hmm. knows this whole world. He's like her access to this part of her. Mm-hmm. She can never figure out. Yeah, I right. mean, and that's sort of a tragic thing too. Like the one person that can understand you is involved in this horrific <sighs> things. So I, I like that aspect but of the story. There's a very too. happy ending. I think to this movie, <laughs> there, right? Yeah, as happy as possible. I mean, I'm just considering how grim everything is leading up to it. The child porn ring, like, I mean, mean, she kind of leads them to, I don't know, I feel like they they end up busting it in the background. And she gets an invitation from a troll community. Well, that's pretty amazing. I thought it was really sweet with a troll baby. (laughs) It's like, join us in Finland. But doesn't that kind of leave the question unanswered of, is he dead or not? Because... Isn't that what he was telling her? Like, we need to go to this place where there's more of us, our own community. What a and fucking Vore sent it. No, that, and that's what I took that from the ending. Oh. It's like, he did survive, and now he's inviting her to, like, come and join the community. I was thinking he, like, sent word, like, hey, I found a troll. And then they, like, found out. I mean, it's ambiguous. I, you yeah. know, I don't well, know. Even oh. if not, like, what if the troll community there is, like, sympathetic to his, like, extremist kill all humans no. torture humans thing like there's a lot of we don't know they're all like, tina trolls they're all they're nice sequel i would like to see where like it's a battle between the troll community of the extremists <laughs> and the ones that want to accept and right. you know be alongside humans yeah so how did you guys like i mean we kind of talked about how you felt about it but did y'all really like enjoy it other than the child porn <laughs> aspect of it like it's just so relentlessly grim like yeah i liked it but it was like a hard watch mm-hmm. in a way that I don't know, like, talking about, like, the Wild Boys again, like, this is a similar kind of movie to that, in that it's one of those, like, what the fuck is gonna happen in the next five minutes kind of film. Right. In that movie, the answers are always, like, really gross and weird, and in this movie, they're always gross and weird, but they're not always horny in this movie. A lot of them are just, like, so black and, like, depressing. Right. So I I appreciated it more than I enjoyed it, if that makes any sense. Okay. Like, I, I thought it was really well made and very, like... Some um, great body horror. Extreme. Yeah. yeah, I like I like how it does not pull any punches. And I, I like how faithful it is to troll mythology, too. Like, they add in all the stuff with the lightning, like you were talking right. about. So it's very true to that mythos. So you feel like you learn a little bit about... I didn't know all that about... How trolls... Now I really want to read that little short story it was based on. Mm-hmm. Grons. Yeah, I kind of see uh, the Let the Right One in connections in that movie's relentlessly somber, too. That's not something I want to rewatch all the time. Right. And that one's also got fascination with divergent genital structures, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> okay. And like fucking with gender, you know? Yeah. But see, that is one thing I was going to bring up. A lot of the online discussion was a lot of people trying to make it a like a transgender kind of thing and i 
I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that at all. I felt like this is about trolls. Like we shouldn't be trying to We're not bring in modern like gender <laughs> politics into it. It's really just about trolls. I think it's right. kind of post-gender. Like it's, it's right. this humanoid community who's not human at all. They just sort of resemble humans. Mm. So let's rethink how the human body would work mm-hmm. in a different way. So like 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 it's trying to put like a human sexuality and a human gender understanding on like an alien creature, and in this case, their genitals and their like how they present gender is just completely different than mm-hmm. human scenarios. So yeah, trying to map yeah. anything real life on top of that is like a fool's errand. I think it was cool how they all had the same like genital situation though, like all trolls. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So does does he have like a clit that could grow out too? You don't remember when he was in the woods and he was like screaming? He gave birth to a baby. I thought. Yeah, but you can see that stuff coming out. Oh. Gotta look real close, like I did. Oh man, you paused it, <laughs> zoomed in, and everything. I will say that I scene like, is extremely dark. And I watched this movie in yeah. the middle of the day with my TV like brightness turned way up, and I still had a hard time. <laughs> I watched that scene several times. <laughs> Trying to figure out what was happening. I still didn't quite get it. And then they showed the baby in the fridge later. Baby, quote unquote. It's like an egg. But yeah. 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 I mean, ultimately, I feel like egg fucking egg. technically <laughs> it was really, really well made. And I loved Tina's story and her arc. But I could have done without that subplot. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could have gotten to the same point without having to go into the child yeah. pedophile ring. And even that is like up front. Like that stuff starts happening before the troll mythology. Mm-hmm. The movie's almost about the child porn stuff. Like, couldn't they have like the smuggled drugs or something? Something. Human trafficking without having to fuck babies. Yeah. Or not even know. like just the police roping in and like using her skills. Uh-huh. I just would have done without that and just focus on the relationship yeah. between the two characters. Mm-hmm. So that was really, and it is relentlessly grim. It's a bleak film. Um, so that was really my only, okay. like why I wouldn't, rewatch it multiple times but right. i did really i did enjoy it cool well good yay <laughs> all right all right thank you now to our top story a marijuana farm up in flames it happened late Monday afternoon on Cherry Avenue in Greenfield. That fire starting outside of a greenhouse before spreading then to eight others. Well, now we're moving from Sweden to Korea. Uh, what did you make us watch for this episode, James? Uh, so this is a movie called Burning that got a lot of critical praise last year. And I really wanted to see it and didn't get a chance to see it until it got on Netflix earlier this year. Um it is directed by Lee Chang Dong, hmm. and I would say it's a mystery drama about... Like a neo-noir. Neo-noir, yeah. Main character is Jong Su. He comes from the more rural, impoverished part of Korea. It's actually very close to the North Korean mm-hmm. border, so you can actually hear North Korean propaganda. Terrifying. So people always have their TVs on to like kind of cover it up. Yeah, and he runs into... A girl that maybe used to live in his village. Uh, it's kind of, there's some mystery there because as it goes on, there's questions of, did he actually even know her when she was right. a kid? And this well that they keep bringing up, did it even exist? So we'll just assume right. that they actually. I thought they knew each other, but I don't, I'll flat out say this early on. 
just so, so I'm going to confuse this a lot because I don't think I understood this movie. Uh, I think I might be too dumb to have this conversation. No, <laughs> no, no, no. The way I got it was like the whole point of this movie is like, do we the things that we think are real are they really real? Oh God, right? no! I make me like it less. All right, all right. Well, let, I'll, I'll kind of run through the plot. Okay, real yeah, quick. let's do the plot. So, we're and crazy. He runs into this girl, uh, Jaime, who they immediately kind of rekindle their connection. They go out for drinks and she tells him that she is going to Africa for an extended period of time. And she asks if he can watch her cat, but does she even have a cat? Boyle. But does she have a cat? But anyway, cat named Boyle. they end up uh, kind of having this little fling before <laughs> she leaves. They have sex. And while she's gone, you know, he watches the cat. He's also dealing with his father who's in prison mm-hmm. for, um, assault and so he's trying to get him out and he's still like kind of wrapped up in this girl and then she finally comes back and turns out she meets this guy ben when she's in africa who's also a korean but Mm -hmm. it's very obvious that ben he drives a porsche he doesn't even really say what he does for a living he when asked what he does he just says i play he's rich you wouldn't understand i just play and he says stuff like um He's never shed a tear. Uh, he has superior DNA. So obviously, this is a film about class. Mm-hmm. So you have one character from this the rural, impoverished part, and then you have a more, I guess, urban character who um, is wealthy, can afford to kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah. And Hong Su basically learns that Jaime and Ben are in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And he's still like kind of hanging around them as like a third wheel situation, but he's like desperately in love with her. They're hanging out with Ben and they're going to his fancy apartment and cooking spaghetti and going to ritzy cafes and basically living the life that he would never be able to afford himself. And they decide to go on a little trip back to his house in the rural part. And they're just hanging out, smoking weed and, Ben reveals to our main character that he just for shits and giggles uh, burns down greenhouses. Or does he? Well, <laughs> we'll get into all that. But he's a serial arsonist. And the way he describes it is basically because he can. He's kind of this loose, amoral character that just kind of does what he wants. And then she goes missing. Right. And the second half of the film is a mystery about what happened to her. And as he's investigating the greenhouse is burning and also investigating what happened to her, he slowly comes to the conclusion that he is a serial killer, essentially. Every two months, he picks up a new poor girl who has no other friends or family. Right. And so I think there's definitely uh, the greenhouse's. I don't know if he actually burns greenhouses. I took it as like a metaphor for him killing these girls. And so basically this culminates in like a climactic act of violence. Right. And it is left. I don't think it's really that ambiguous about what happened to her. I did kind of assume that she is dead. Um, Yeah. She's either dead or she disappeared on purpose to evade credit card debts. That's right. the only other option, really. I think she was dead. I think she's dead, too. Because he was like, when, whenever uh, Ben was like looking at that quarry. Yeah. I mean. That's where I thought he was like her body the is there. Yeah. yeah. So all that, that's kind of the plot. But what really amazed me with this movie is 
first of all, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um, Cinematography is some of the most beautiful cinematography I saw from last year. And I guess this is where Brandon's coming from, where he says he feels dumb or whatever. But (laughs) it is very rich in themes and metaphors. I hate to say it's like a deep movie or something, but it is really getting at the heart of economic inequality, specifically in Korea. It was cool how they went back and forth to like, you know, one scene we're in like Seoul and then we're back in the farm community. So it's like, we're there, we're in the farm. And like, whenever um, Yong Soo is like drive, his fucking truck is awesome. Like it's compact, but giant at the same time. They're called key trucks. They're so cool. Key trucks, I love them. I don't think they're street legal in America for some reason. Cause they're like meant to drive around farms and not drive in the city. That's why he's like so conspicuous (laughs) when he's driving around. Right, it's so funny. Cause like for a a lot of the film, he's like stalking Ben Mm -hmm. and trying to find out where he's at. So he's like in this big old like rinky dink farm truck in the city. Ben's like working out at the gym or hanging out in some ritzy Smoking in his Porsche. and like, deliberately fucking with him. Like Ben yeah. takes him out to yeah. that quarry where the bodies might be. Right. And it's literally just them. Ben is like standing 10 feet in front of young Sue and the guy's just pretending to crouch in the uh, weeds as if, you know, Ben wouldn't sense that there, there's another person behind right. him, like 10 feet away. And yeah, he deliberately fucks with him over and over again like that. And the, the Ben character is really interesting. Um, because he's definitely, a, he's a sociopath. Yeah. And he's had everything kind of given to him. We Again, we don't know what he does, but... He looks like he'd be, like, in that BTK. What's it called? The the BTS? Korean boy band? Yeah, BTS. <laughs> BTS. BTK is but, the killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as far as, the, like, income inequality aspect, um, yeah. I remember when, what was that, Crazy Rich Asians yeah. mm-hmm. came out, there was a, some backlash from Koreans basically saying like this movie's portraying the like really luxurious side of Korea, like the soul side, right. but that's like a very small part of the country. And that exists side by side with like extreme poverty. Yeah. The main conflict in the movie is Ben who you could take to represent. He deliberately calls himself like a great Gatsby figure in the film. Yeah. yeah and it's like rural, versus urban it's a lot of east versus <laughs> it's like east versus west too like he has an american name he greets hongsu with a handshake yeah. where and hongsu bows so he's obviously a more traditional korean and ben is the more westernized and he's version played by steven yoon who grew up in canada and america and right not in korea yeah and so that's what the movie i feel like is really getting at is yeah that clash and those two things existing side by side and how the Hong Su character, how he basically like unleashes this violent thing inside him, this tension that's been like building because of his economic situation. Right. And so, then he fucking unleashes it at the end, right? Yeah. And the movie is like a, a slow burn in the sense right. of like... It's very <laughs> moody. It's very moody. In the first half, you're kind of like not quite knowing like where are we going where with are this? we going but it's still so interesting yeah and then the second half when she disappears it turns i feel like the tension just keeps right escalating and culminating in like an act of violence so it's a good like character study though i think like with um young sue and yeah well what, i like that did y'all so did y'all enjoy it 
I did, but I was I couldn't sleep after I watched it because I was like, "What the fuck happened?" Like, yeah, was she real? Like, I mean, she had to have been real. And then I kept thinking back because I'm like, "Well, he slept with her," but then like he would just whack off when she wasn't there and pretend she was there, and he would have moments of oh, like man. masturbation where he felt like she was there. If you want to talk about hot sex scenes, that scene where she like jerks him off in his mind, I thought that was actually sexy. So I, I was liked just it. like, "What's going on with this kid?" I, it was so intimate and like quiet in a way that a lot of this movie is very cold and i don't know i, th- I found that scene like actually okay. genuinely hot well good that's just me uh but it's all in his head uh, glad you found something hot and burning <laughs> i do think that masturbation scene is indicative too of the contrast between the characters because ben obviously sees people as disposable i mean he's literally killing woman right after- and his kind of calling card when you know he's going to murder someone is he yawns. Or is it's Yong like, sue the fucking psycho? Because, like, mm. what if he imagined this woman the whole time? Because obviously he has a good imagination. Yeah. You know? But then at the same time, I'm like, he's pulling out this litter box with turds in it. There's no cat. But I'm like, where'd the turds come from? Is the litter box even there? Did he shit in the litter box? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I th- so I think Ben, <laughs> What's like... happening? He uh, doesn't feel like he owned... All right, he has so much money that like he has all this the luxury of detachment right. essentially. There's whereas, so many aha moments happening. Whereas Hong Su is like he has so little right. that he latches on to her, and it, there's a sense right. of like possession and ownership. And Ben seems so bored with her. Like whenever yeah. she's doing her like big hunger, little hunger dance, he's yawning. Yeah, yeah. He's and not that, interested that's, in her. And that happens later with another mm-hmm. girlfriend, and that's how you know. He's oh. over it. He's bored. He's not entertained And he has anymore. his like collection of jewels like from chicks in his bathroom. And that's yeah. when it becomes clear that there Psycho. are no greenhouses. Right. It, yeah. Every two months he has a new toy and he gets it's bored a, with it and throws a, it away. The girls yeah. are the greenhouses. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, clear. And he, and he, he does, I think it is not as mysterious as we think. Like, it's, Well, yeah. He t- I think he's fucking with this kid. He's telling yeah. him he's that he does this. And these like very clear literary metaphors it's like very basic literary metaphor and the kid doesn't get it and he's just fucking with him and toying with him. But see, that's what's so great. There's a scene where Jaime asks like, what is a metaphor? And he's like, ask Ben what it is because he's a writer but Ben doesn't really understand metaphor and that is the same thing with the greenhouses. He's telling him like, yeah, I just just like burn greenhouses because I can and he's like, yeah, it's really close to you. Like sometimes we can't see the things that are right okay. in front of our face. He's telling him, like, I murdered He's playing. your girl. And Young Su just, he doesn't get it, even though he's supposed to be the writer that understands metaphor. So he's going around looking for a greenhouse that doesn't exist. And the truth is, like, your girl's been murdered and he told you right to your face. An hour ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Uh, okay. So that's what bothers me about the movie a little bit is there's so much critique about Young Su as a faux intellectual, like literary bro early in the film specifically, it feels like people are just dunking on him over and over again. And Mm -hmm. he kind of deserves it. He's like this empty mean bro who pretends to be this like very scholarly writer. Oh, I like Faulkner, you know, Faulkner has nothing to do with this guy's life. Right. Oh, I I thought he was sweet. And I thought he was trying to help his dad when he made his like well-written petition. And was going around like he was putting his his art to work. Well, but that's the thing is like I think that's Young a big Su. I think that's a big part of the movie too is like Young Su 
the only time you actually see him write is when he's writing this letter to get his father out of prison. Yeah. So he calls himself a writer, but he can't write because of his economic right. situation. I whereas, felt bad for him. Like he whereas, was just trying to make the most out of. Yeah. Whereas situation. Ben is like doing who knows what, whatever he wants. Yeah. So I think that's where this burning, the resentment burning. comes from. But anyway, that's the burning. I, I see you making a, a face the over there. Okay, so in the first part of the movie, this is how I read this film, and I, I might have completely misread it, but I see him as this phony. Like, he pretends yeah. to be this, like, you know, collegiate uh, fiction writer, and every time he's prompted to, like, prove himself in conversation, like, oh, you're a writer, what do you think of this? Or you're a writer, explain what metaphors he has are. Nothing to what say. have you been writing? He's empty, he's like a blank slate. He runs into this girl. From his village. I presume she's real and their relationship was real as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she does lie about a lot of things. I Raffle think that girl. part's real. <laughs> he runs into her on the street and she has since gone into debt with plastic surgery, making herself more beautiful than him. When he was a kid, he went out of his way to tell her that she was ugly. Mm-hmm. And she really, that really hurt her. She had like a crush on him as a kid. Now she's this big city woman who is like literally remade herself into someone more attractive than him. Fucks him both out of like basically proving how much better than she is. Like, look how beautiful I am and how beautiful my body is. as like a display of power almost. And then gets this other boyfriend who's more attractive than him and actually is the intellectual sophisticate that he pretends to be exactly and yeah. actually has the riches and you know the the friends and like the you know collegiate scholarly lifestyle that he pretends that he has um and she kind of flaunts this in front of him to make him feel small the way that he made her feel small when she was a kid i believe that steven yoon the, the ben character actually killed her mm-hmm. and that's why she disappears and then this guy goes after him, and the entire time Ben is fucking with him, and he just doesn't get it. Like, he confesses to the murder, Ben's sort of stringing him along, he knows that he's being followed, and, like, kind yep. of drives this kid all around South Korea, just, you know, making him lose his mind. The way the movie resolves, that's where I start to question whether I was misreading the entire thing. Because I feel like he was being constantly dunked on, but as time goes on, the movie takes on his perspective. And starts to justify everything he suspic- he was suspicious of. Mm. It starts to make it seem like the romance was actually genuine, and she had feelings for him that he wasn't like projecting onto her. It ma- it makes it seem like he was right about Ben. Like it would have been one thing if he was wrong about Ben completely and just an idiot who was misreading the situation, but he wasn't. He was right. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when he confronts Ben, he is quote unquote victorious. You know, even though it's an empty revenge, he is right, and he gets the best of Ben. Where if any of those things were reversed, I would have understood what the movie was doing better. If Ben had strung him along and like led him to ruin and like killed him in this way, like basically drew him into like a spider's web. If the girl had actually not had any feelings and he was projecting on her and there was no romance between them at all. I think there was, even when he calls her like a whore that really hurt her feelings. He gets mad at her. He has his dad's like anger issues inside of him. Or if he was wrong entirely and that girl disappeared and Ben had nothing to do with it and he was just an idiot who was looking too much into things. Any one of those reversals would have 
changed the trajectory of the story in like a mm-hmm. satisfactory way for me. As is, I guess any of those could be true and we wouldn't know, but we see the movie through his eyes and that's why I don't get what he was trying to say. Well, I do... What I was going to say, there's one little bit of dialogue at the very end that does kind of lean into what you're saying where when Ben gets out of the car to meet with Hong Zhu to, you know, get murdered, he asks him, where's Jaime? Which is a weird thing to say if you murdered her. Why would you say, where is she? So that seems to leave the door open. Like maybe she really did just flee. uh, And he just like adopted her cat and has like a thing in his drawer to like as a keepsake. And so, yeah, maybe Ben is like, or sorry, Hong Su is completely misinterpreted the whole thing. Because that really doesn't make any sense to say that if you murdered someone. But as he's being murdered, like Ben like kind of hugs him. He does hug, yeah. And embraces him, like almost like a, I'm a fucking psycho and you figure it out. Well, I think he also, because he keeps telling him, remember he's like, when I burn down greenhouses, I get this base, this boom in my, in my chest. chest. And yeah. he's like, that's how you you know you're living when you feel that. And I think when Hong Su has finally killed him, he recognizes that he's like feeling that mm. base in his chest. And he's like giving him a hug like, yeah, see, like now you know what I'm talking about. And the movie's so open to interpretation that it can be, that question could be justified. Like Hong Su lures him to this spot by saying, I have Jaime with me. And that's why he's there. So Ben kind of comes to call his bluff. And he's like, okay, where's Jaime if you have her with you? Oh. So who knows? See, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Someone tell us the that truth. That kind of subtlety drives me fucking crazy. I like, know you I hate really, that. I, I know really you want do. you to just make a choice and not have me make a thousand choices in my head and try to guess what you were trying to but say. But see, if, if you do that, if you lay all your cards on the table, then you can't have this kind of discussion this kind of like thinking of, like i thought about this movie for weeks yeah after mm-hmm. i saw it just trying and watching it again it like like we're talking about like watching movies a second third time i watched it a second time and it got richer and deeper mm-hmm. and more complex i think i need meaning. to see it more i just watched this last night which is probably why i'm still like i don't know what to make of it <laughs> help uh but okay so like i feel like early on in the film it's definitely dunking on his like male entitlement uh, Young Su. Mm-hmm. In the second half, it's a little more critical, or a lot more critical of Ben as this like entitled brat from the city mm-hmm. who is fucking with these farm kids' lives as if they were like toys because he's rich and there's like a class difference there. Right. And I feel like because that second half was all about class issues, it starts to feel like it's more like that was more the point of the film is about the class stuff and not about the male entitlement. And maybe what's throwing me off is I don't know what Jaime was up to. I know that's where the mystery comes from, but I don't know what she was thinking or what her inner life was like at all. So I can't know how to read what the movie well, thinks of Yang Su. The Jaime character, I think there's a really good scene where her coworker says like, yeah, there's no place for women in this society. So, and she also says women have to change their appearances and change all these aspects about themselves to like appeal to men. And so, yeah, essentially she is a ghost. Like I said, like, and it seems like in Korea, women don't really have a say in the society. So they, they are basically just empty in the way that she is. But how much of the movie is making a point about that? And how much is it like oversight? It's way more interested in these two men than it is in her. Yeah. Well, because I think the, the economic disparity and inequality is 
it's like and the class main thing. is the main thing. So, and the men represent that, and then the woman is kind of caught in the middle and doesn't really have a say in the society. And doesn't that make you more sympathetic to Young Su then over time, when really he's not a great? I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking I'm sympathetic for the movies, to like all I'm, the characters. Honestly, it's just a rich movie where the characters, their lives are like interesting, mm-hmm. but and, he's so empty. And like that's kind of that's what I thought the point was. But if it's not the point, then he's just like a nothing. But I mean, you could think about that, and we have the same kind of dynamic in America. And this kind of goes into the Trump thing. And Trump is actually in the movie. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, boo. That's, that's, come on, that that is like definitely intentional oh, to for put sure. his totally. face. And I think it's saying like that's kind of what got Trump elected too. Is like rural, uh, more conservative, uh, uneducated people feel this resentment towards the coastal liberal elites mm-hmm. and and that anger that burning is what got him elected yeah. too so i think like that's really the that's the main thing i got out of the picture i got so, a lot of questions yeah <laughs> that's what i got out of well, it. well so Brittany, what yeah i just ranted i'm sorry I, no we we went on <laughs> no, a whole like i didn't think about tour. any half of that shit <laughs> Well, you were questioning just as much. Like, is she even real? Is she there's like so? You know, like, there, I've never watched a movie and had so many questions after it. And they're like, you can go any fucking way you want with you this can. thing. But that I and I, I guess love that's appeal. That. Yeah. <laughs> to me, I. It's more know, of a I, philosophical I, storytelling style than right. what I'm into, and that's definitely something that appeals to you. And I, I think you know, technically, the movie's impeccable. Like, it's a very, yeah. it's got almost like a um, Twin Peaks kind of vibe to it. Uh, it's like very moody and like it's not as soap opera-ish as that mm-hmm. series, but Stephen Yoon just looks fucking beautiful. Like you could see how women could be like attracted totally, to him. Totally. Uh, and I don't know. I, I really like the style of it. I just question what its sympathies are. If the only point is class, then how much are we letting this guy off the hook for being a entitled brat? I sympathize with him the whole time. I just thought he looked really sad. Like. He just looked like he was so sad the whole movie. And what I'm saying is because his deserves... dad's in jail and his mom left See, I, him. He deserves to be sad, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and like, I'm like, no. He's a cruel yeah. bully. Yeah, but all, I mean, but also like, <laughs> <laughs> but come on, he like, he does. He's living in this dirt poor yes. community. And like his dad's in life. prison. Like his he... mom has left. He had to burn right. his mom's clothes after she left. He's not in touch with his sister. He's all alone. And then he, he met up with his mom and she was on her cell phone the whole time. And she wanted money from him. I and he doesn't even have money. So, I'm like, Ugh. And he was like, yeah, I'll get you money. I'm like, no, tell her she's a bitch. And so I, I understood his resentment towards Ben. Right. I, I get it. I do think the first time I watched it, I was more like Brittany, where I was totally Hong Su is like protagonist, right. good guy. Watching it a second time, I was like, eh, he's pretty. Oh my God. He's pretty bad too in his own. Ways So I think it's critical about class on both ends. It's not saying the rural people are like to be, I don't know, like put on a pedestal there. It's critical of like all classes. Are there classes. any good people in this movie? I mean, I think Jaime is... There's, no, there's she's, nothing... She's not much of a character, so there's really nothing no. bad you can put I on I did her. like her like when she was peeling the fake tangerine. Oh, it was great. That was fun. Yeah, and her like bird uh, dancing. <laughs> yes. That, I like how sexy the movie is too, honestly. <laughs> it like, is. Stephen Yoon is just pure sex in this film. I really liked that masturbation fantasy. I, that shot of her topless that was a great sunset sequence. is a beautiful scene. And that's what made the poster, and it makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. that, that scene has a lot of um, 
themes of the film kind of converging. It's like where she was talking about the sun setting and her feeling like the world was ending. Right. Yeah. And she has all these like things closing in around her as like her debts were getting out of control. And they, they talk about the greenhouses and him burning his mom's... Yeah, I feel like that is like the central scene of the entire film. And you know what looks great? Hmm. Plastic on fire. That scene where they actually show the burnt, the um, yeah. greenhouse burning, like just the napalm quality of like the plastic peeling off and like in sheets. It looked really cool. It's a beautiful movie. It's nice. <laughs> I liked it. Ridiculous and downright bizarre, those are the comments you'll most likely find under YouTube clips from dashboard-mounted cameras in Russia. They've been catching everything from driving offenses to meteors and could now serve as top content for hours of comedy. Now it's time for some more morbid stuff. Uh, we're moving from Korea to Russia. It's uh, now time for James to yell at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> This movie doesn't really require a lot of plot description. No. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called Mm -hmm. The Road Movie. (laughs) It never played in New Orleans on the big screen. Distributed by Oscilloscope, who's like one of the smaller, weirder labels out there, owned by one of the Beastie Boys. Oh. Uh, Oh, wow. Interesting. And this is a film that is a compilation of Russian dash cam footage. It's about 70 minutes. There's no narration, no context. Uh, it's just edited together footage of car crashes and um, meteors falling and livestock blocking the road mm-hmm. and crazed drug fiends hopping on people's oh car hoods. People stealing sausages. People bringing a tank through a car wash. That was good. Uh, bears running down the road. Purple fire. Pur- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the most amazing sequences is just someone driving through a forest fire. I fucking screamed Dude, the that, whole time. Dude, that was maybe the most intense scene. And she's like, it's movie. getting hot. It's getting hot at the car. I'm like, oh my God. Jesus. Like, where the fuck do you go? <laughs> I will contend the most intense scene is when that couple gets pulled over on the highway and three clown cars full of cops pull oh, them over. No, were just, they cops or were they military? I don't know. Just because more the guy's and more. like, I'm calling the cops. Yeah. I just know more and more fascist that assholes got out of cars. Yeah. Yeah. So creepy. Okay. So there's two ways to look at this movie. And I think it's fascinating for a few reasons. I think it's interesting as like, what is cinema? Like, this is basically like a YouTube highlight reel yeah, that was the released to theaters. Of car uh, dash cam footage, essentially. Right. Yeah. But it's also just like interesting as like a slice of like real life. Like, right. you see a lot of like presented you know, reality, like sort of unfiltered and without context. That's all interesting. But I think it's interesting as also just this commentary of what you can capture now that cinematic equipment has been like democratized. Like we now own all of these small, tiny, affordable technological cameras that can capture anything. And especially in Russia, they've adopted the stash cam thing where people have cameras running all the time when they're driving. Right. And the, the movie does a good job of showing that sometimes it's mundane. Like there's this one sequence I love where these two girls are just fiddling with the camera to figure out how to mount it. 
And then there's some things that are absolutely nuts, like the forest fire or the bear running in front of the guy's car. The guy coming out with a sledgehammer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what about that guy that axe. jumped on the hood of the woman's car and would not like, let go? Bashing yeah. his head on the windshield. intense. I know. I'm like, I mean, what the fuck should she do? I mean, if you stop, he's going to fucking do something Just to you. Fucking, I don't know, man. Go, drive uh, fast. <laughs> but then we see what happens when you drive fast in yeah, Russia. Yeah, held on. Yeah. It was crazy. So... A lot of people look at this stuff like, look how fucking crazy Russia is. And look how absurd Russian society is. What I saw was more like what you can capture when you have cameras running all the time. It reminded me of like how in Florida they have lax journalism laws where you can publish any court case and any okay. like arrest. So a lot of our crazier stories that make national headlines are, are all Florida. from Florida because they're a little more relaxed. I think you could make this same movie in the rural American South if you had cameras running as constantly as they are in this film. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what y'all thought about it in that way, and I don't know what y'all thought about it in like how dangerous and you know amoral it is to show all these like near death car accidents. So if y'all want to speak to either of those things, I'm, I'm willing to listen. Felt more on the side of it, like being like, "Oh, is this what it's like in Russia?" Okay. Because, I mean, the reason they have these dash cams is because they have to fucking have proof of everything because their government's so corrupt. And insurance fraud yeah. is a big one. Which is something we do with cops here. Like, if a black right. person gets pulled over with a cop, the cell Show phone that body camera, cam. Yeah. Or film it. Or, you know, like, we're getting to that point. It's crazy. But just seeing, like, how the infrastructure is so fucked up. Like, yeah. I didn't see a speed limit sign anywhere. <laughs> like, the ice roads aren't cared for. Like, people were just slip and sliding like crazy. And people just, like, were going, like, oh, this is nothing. Like, the cops never fucking came no. when they called. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this fucking nightmare of getting on the road in Russia? And it's, like, a massive country, right? So, like, right. it would almost like, be impossible to have the money to service every road with right. these, like, safety precautions. Um, a lot. All three of the movies we talked about oh, today you know have they got the a money. lot to do with like rural poverty. I would say, true. So I think you could set this rural anywhere. Maybe Mississippi and Louisiana roads, like North Louisiana, outside of like the city areas, is pretty fucking run down too. I really. We just don't get snow. That when the is it the the Kremlin? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When they showed that, and like we always see pictures of it, and like oh, it's gorgeous, it's massive, and then like. During this car chase, you see it, and the minute you turn, it's just like trash. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like poverty on the other side. Yeah. And I thought that was like a huge, like, I mean, the, whoever, the guy pro procuring all this chose that for a reason. And, and speaking of him, like, I think he did do a good job of editing. Yeah. Like, this kind of thing probably would have been really hard to watch if it wasn't edited so effectively. It had a nice flow where has really chaotic scenes and then more mundane right. stuff. And then it kind of escalates into the more violent kind of car crash stuff. And it flows nicely for a 70 minute, yeah. you know, YouTube oh, compilation. That could get very tiring. It could, but it, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't really overstay I, its I screamed welcome. the whole fucking time. I was I afraid stop. of what would happen next at any oh. moment. Which is funny because sometimes nothing happens. Sometimes it's just people having like a short drive and having like an inane conversation. Or it's just, I think that's the scariest thing about going on the road is like what's coming at you. Yeah. And I think that really, because like half of the shit that happened was just other people going nuts in the fucking road. Not the people filming it. 
So I watched that movie early, early this morning. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was at my parents' house in La Rose, and I was driving on I-10 to come back. And I, I've never witnessed this, but right in the front of me, a huge truck pulling a fucking like RV had a blowout. Right. And started swerving back and forth on oh, I-10. No. I was like, ah! I'm so sorry. It's okay. I was just like, <laughs> fuck, it's like Russia. Like, it was crazy. But it's just that, but that's a fear of going on the road. I mean, Shelly, that happens all the time. <sighs> and that's like um in final destination 2 where like the log truck uh the fucking the yes beginning. that's what it made me think and of. people were like on edge about driving behind those for like decades after that i still am yeah exactly yeah. i have a lot of conflicting thoughts about this movie yell at me i yelled at you about burning well, <laughs> and i just listened <laughs> no, no. no with this one it's like so the conflict is on the one hand i do feel like i learned something about russia from this uh-huh. like you're saying about the infrastructure about the police corruption yeah. about the general attitude russians have to their everyday life like it seems like they have this attitude like ah like fuck it this crazy thing happened we're moving on it's oh like a bear the, just what i fucking needed right it's like they right. see this shit all <laughs> you're the like, time this is normal. <laughs> so i have that i feel like oh, okay i'm learning a little bit about russia on the other hand kind of what you were saying i used to i still do sometimes i'll watch world star hip-hop do you know it's um, like the original youtube yeah i mean it's like oh no that's e-bombs world world star hip-hop is like all the fights and stuff yeah, yeah. it's more yeah but it's more catered to like black audiences okay I know and it, so i'd watch that and kind of the same conflict where i feel like am i actually learning something about the black experience or is this not genuine at all and that's what i felt in this mm-hmm. movie it's like am i actually learning about russia or it's just they pick this like the footage. worst of yeah it's like the worst of the worst yeah and that feels like kind of exploitative and at its worst it felt like a snuff film too knowing that some people died oh in these cars i didn't know that watching i honestly didn't know that i assumed that they would have better taste than that because the movie doesn't like show dead bodies no. or it doesn't like but there's one scene where it's on like that. a head-on car crash like 60 miles an hour the fact that like people like jumped out their cars, I was like, "How are they alive?" And then after they're like, "Oh, he's dead." <laughs> like there's another yeah. man in the front seat. And then there's that other guy, like the guy driving a eighteen wheeler who gets hit from behind, flies out the window, and lands on his feet and just kind of walks off. He's like shaken, but he's like totally fine. Holy, yeah. <sighs> so like you said, I think if you now that we have cameras running all the time, I think uh, you can make a compilation for the South or for. Right. Um, inner city neighborhoods and i think there's a danger in that on the one hand it's illuminating like a slice of life in these groups and also if it feels like you're not actually gaining any insight it's just the worst aspects of the culture and in that way i that i thought was the most interesting aspect of the movie is kind of is this good for Mm us um and is it a movie at all i mean (laughs) That's, I, mean, I mean, that's it's a another movie. big question. It's a movie because it calls itself a movie and was released in theaters. Well, that's the thing. But if it would have been, it if I it was so. one dash cam <laughs> yeah. and it would have been the same dash cam the whole time, everyone would like, yeah, totally, documentary or some shit. Exactly. But just because it was different ones. It's found that's footage. actually what I thought it was at first. And I'm like, it, what kind of day is this guy well, Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I thought in the beginning, there's the thing with the comet. So I was like, yeah. oh, is this going to be like a found footage 
Russian dash cam movie. Where <laughs> which like is a aliens, great concept. Which is a great. And I, then like very early on, I was like, oh, this is just a compilation because I hadn't read anything mm-hmm. about it. So I actually feel like that would be a more interesting idea than just like a YouTube compilation. But yeah. again, I feel like it. it's an interesting idea and an interesting conversation about what is film and is this right. yeah. good to call this right. a film like someone went um, there he picked them for reasons he organized them in a certain way he edited right. them in a certain way so it could be like what his vision was well it's like art like fine art mm-hmm. if you put a crushed beer can in the middle of a gallery and you call it art then it is art doesn't necessarily mean it's good art it's just how you're presenting it and True. people can discuss the merits of it after you've done that right but so you would you wouldn't say a youtube or world star hip-hop compilation is art would you it depends because if it got released in theaters yes because that's weird it's been presented as such place no it's if it was calling itself a feature film because basically cinema is the art of the moving image like in a literal definition sense Mm -hmm. and there's no denying that this is a curated crafted collection of found images Mm -hmm. so in that way it's very much just a regular documentary but because the means of filming and publishing have become so democratized it's something where it's more common now and we see it in other contexts besides movie theaters i agree with you that it's blurring the lines and I, that's I, kind of what i find interesting mm-hmm. i wouldn't even say this is one of my favorite movies were last released last year it's just one i've been thinking about a mm-hmm. lot yeah because it's so fucking bizarre yeah and like, the fact that people paid money to go watch this in a movie theater i kind of wish i had the opportunity just because it's so weird like it's such yeah, a confrontation like? of like what we're used to seeing on the big screen. And I, that's what I love about those killer internet movies, like Unfriended and things, when you're seeing trash social media imagery projected in this like classic cinematic context. And a lot of these images are like low quality, you know, cheap dash cam footages. Uh, especially, like I keep going back to that scene where the two women are just fiddling with the camera trying to figure out how to mount it. I thought that yeah. they were the ones, because like right before that scene, like someone was busting into a car and stealing their and dash stealing, cam. Yeah. That looks and I crazy. thought he brought it to them. No. <laughs> that would be funny. That's what I thought was happening. Okay. No, it was like my boy, this is my boyfriend's camera. He tells me to put it on every time I drive. He's going to kill me if we break it. It was like kind of the conversation. Gotcha. We I thought it was like my boyfriend stole this shit for me. Okay. I got it now. But something else I think is interesting about it is that this sentiment is not new in America. Like, I think the TV show Cops yeah. or, like, those Fox compilations that were, like, world's scariest police chases. from like world's dumbest criminals. That kind of thing. Right. This is the same sentiment. Yeah. And even maybe Faces of Death, if you want to talk about how, like, snuffy the film feels at some parts, that's, like, the worst end of it, I think. But yeah. yeah, what makes this new and different versus those older forms of this, besides the fact that it's presented as a feature film, I don't have an answer for it, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, I guess my problem is like I watch those world's dumbest criminals, cops. Yeah, and, I'm a huge cops fan, and I feel they feel th- horrible, right? Now. And I feel this inner like kind of guilt. I know this is like bad for society, and I'm watching it anyway. And the fact that that is now in- infected movies bothers me because I, I always felt like mm-hmm. movies and films should be the separate thing than like reality not oh yeah like reality kind then of like cops I, I don't want those two i don't like the blurring you wouldn't of the like line, a basically. cops the movie no i don't i don't want you that just saw the best cops. and i would go see it and i don't want it i want them to be <laughs> separate and i want to like yeah. have this be a guilty pleasure i don't want this in 
theaters. Honestly, I, I don't necessarily know if I want more road movies. But when I was a kid, I used to really find cops interesting because it was like one of the only ways to see extreme entertainment media in your house. Right. As you get older, <laughs> you start to realize like, oh, this is exploiting poor people for right. entertainment from the fascist perspective. Right. So it's and an to make evil the object. cops look good too. Yeah. It's like the now they police are departments like, like hire the crew to come. It just makes you feel it's sad. It's a PR um, campaign. So yeah. fun fact. So down the bayou, we had our own like uh, TV station that I think was based out of Homa. And they had their own version of cops called The Beat. Yikes. And it was oh, just no. like cops, but like Cajun style. And it took place just in this one trailer park in Homa. Wow. Oh, and Jesus. I saw my, like a, my, a cousin of mine's like ex in there a few times. So or when they him. had Steven Seagal. Remember he in was Chalmette. like in Chalmette. Yeah. He was Where like I'm Jefferson from. Parish. Whenever that was happening, um Jesus. one of my coworkers, her husband was on the same force that he w- that he was on, and they're like, This guy's fucking screwing everything up for us because he's, he's not a real dick. cop. Yeah. And he would he would like go in and then like they would have they wouldn't be able to investigate properly because he'd ruin it. <laughs> That's what I would say is the difference though. Like this movie is not from the government right. fascist perspective. It is from the people right. and like the things people live through and it's capturing these like real human moments and interactions. What if we take cops back and do like reverse cops where it's just body cam footage? Like, like Antifa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean honestly though I I, I mean see I a watch bunch that, of that shit all the time. On YouTube like body yeah. cam. And I mean it sounds like you have to film shit like when it happens. Like right. it's to the point where I'm like you guys saw about a cop fucking pull your camera out. I just and that couple who gets pulled over by the like two or three clown cars full of cops oh, on the highway what would have happened they were, if they didn't have the camera? I've never seen right. men so large in my life. Crawl all in the car. smallest cars and they look at the dash cam and pause and consider what they're going to do and they all have a smoke and just kind of block the highway and like consider their options so I don't know I think there's like some commentary about democratization of this technology that can record everything mm-hmm. but I, I do think there's a danger to it and I really don't want to get to a point where world's dumbest criminals is not on YouTube it's playing at like the palace theater mm-hmm. right that feels like it's going too far but maybe I'm just an old man I don't know I don't you are I, th- I think you're considering a I different world where like it's like that's your trashy like thing to indulge in shame yeah, yeah and you don't want to see it where you see a classy shit at no you know I you want to keep it at home on your on your computer your phone your TV. Where i don't want to be surrounded by people that know i'm watching it right you know. that's the fun of it you're also imagining a world where road movie is a huge hit and like <laughs> right. major american studios catch on to it and decide to like build on the idea it was so hard to find anything about road the road movie this is like i think this is like a transgressive art object that barely played anywhere outside new york and la and then ended up on amazon prime quietly but see i could see this format like making it wouldn't make a lot of money because it's so cheap mm-hmm. you don't have actors sets any of that so anyone could do it kind of so yeah you could if you're passionate if it makes it. a couple million in the theaters they could turn these things out like crazy and that I feel like that's a trend I don't want to see. That reminds me of, um, what was that body cam movie uh, that looked like a video game from first person perspective? Oh, Hardcore Henry? That rem- reminds me of that, where like I was enjoying that in the movie, in the theater, and I was like, this is so trashy and gross and dumb, and I love it, but I'm so glad it's flopping, because if there were like 20 movies like this every year, I would yeah. hate it. Like, I, would I, think, I still think that idea could catch on. And I don't want that it to. That just wasn't the movie for it, but... I liked it. That first person perspective... <laughs> 
video yeah. game. It's so interesting how those like formats kind of get really hot and then die out. Like, do you remember what was that? It was like an app where you could watch like these five second videos. Oh, Vine. Vine. Mm-hmm. Who does Vine anymore? Oh uh, well, now they have TikTok, which is like Tick- Vine with like less of a constraint. That's right? what I'm saying. Like, it's like so Vine was massive. Everybody was doing Vine shit, and then. It, it died out. Like, you know, you still think about it, but no one really does anymore. Now it's like TikTok. I do remember watching like Vine compilations, like 30 minute Vine compilations oh, where it's like hundreds of videos. And I fucking vid- loved them. And they're <laughs> great. Right. I like, I follow like so many like cringy TikTok account thingies where they pull all this different footage from like the worst and put them all yeah. together. And I would but- love to see a like full feature you know utilizing that in some interesting way like that's what i get on about the unfriended yeah uh mm-hmm. at least films. it's clever about it yeah and it's taking this form seriously in a way a lot of people don't this is like junk media to us it's something we scroll past if something catches our eye we stop and watch it if not we just keep going and i like that someone can pull from this like ephemeral mm-hmm. junk garbage and like make something art out of it i yeah. find yeah. that very interesting it's very diy in a way but if it's just the junk garbage that's maybe been edited i i don't really call that a m- movie but I don't it know. depends on how you're curating it though. yeah it's do you believe this was artfully curated which is interesting because i do I, I actually i think he did a good yeah. job well but. it's interesting when he does like sometimes it's a montage of a bunch of things and that took a lot of work and then sometimes it's just long stretches of like one video and that took no work so right I don't know. but i think he purposely did it yeah. to right. show like here's just like a normal day it has a flow to it like kind of let's let's cleanse our palates a little bit and gray to watch this fucking cow get hit by a car and flip <laughs> over and walk away that was insane and then they call the cow a fucking bitch and like <laughs> they're always cursing it like, like you're in his animals. land you asshole there's a lot of like um, really nasty expletives, like a lot of, a lot of pejoratives. The, in this yeah, film. there's like one guy who's like drinking and driving. Yeah, and, like talking about how drunk he was while he was driving. <laughs> oh, didn't they also? Didn't they go into the lake or something? Yeah, there? yeah. yeah, that's the guy I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the car's floating, <laughs> and he's so trying to fast. turn the wheel to like steer to the shore. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Well, would that guy funny. live, you think? I don't know. It was two buddies. I'm sure they made it out. They made it out. That current was so fast. I, I don't know. Someone had to retrieve that dash cam to the shore. So I don't know. Oof. I mean, do you have any like other like major moments? Because I feel like this is like, since it's a highlight reel, it's stuff that would like, this was something that jumped out at me as like the craziest thing I'd seen. I I just remember the, um there was one where it was like these two fucking cars just slammed into each other like a fucking ping pong table. And I was like, what the, how does that even fucking happen? Yeah. I think just how quickly it happens, like how this damage happens in like a split fucking second. And then like these people were just jumping out of their cars. Like, Oh, I mean, that's what I, I mean, I've only been like a few regs, but that's the first thing I do is I jump out of the car. I'm like, ah, and I mean, they, but people were so fucking calm about it. And then the, the purple fire, I could, I can't shake it. Yeah, the fire is so hot. And it's they had the one fire truck show up to put out a fucking forest fire. It gets to the point where the camera is so hot, you can see the circuitry from inside yes. of it. That um, was insane. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Hmm. <sighs> trying to think of some other. I did like the guys picking up the prostitute. <laughs> Just negotiating prices. Just negotiating with... That was funny. The anal um, discounts. <laughs> it's kind of how I always view those sort of compilations mm-hmm. where like a week or two after I've watched it, I sort of forget 
a lot of the yeah. moments, like when they're coming at you rapid fire like that, it, it's really hard to think back about everything you've seen. Really, only a few stand out. And I think that's also a problem with this format. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, like I don't watch those. Like that's why this might stick out to me as like something interesting because I've never sat down and watched like a Russian dash cam compilation right. video. This is something that was presented to me as cinema and I'm like, well, that's an interesting And it's like a take. thing. Like it's specific. It's so specific. It's like Russian dash cam footage. Right. It's like its own thing. Yeah. I love the scene early on where the two guys are just talking about how those videos are becoming popular. And he's like, yeah, everyone watches them. It's crazy. So, like, they're aware. Like that's an incentive, too. Like, other than the, like, hey, let's catch, you know, people doing shit so the government doesn't fuck us over. But also just the incentive to be like, what kind of crazy shit can I catch on my dash cam and upload to YouTube? Yeah. Like, I think that's there, too. Yeah. Another thing that of why people get these dash cams. So, we watched three very grim foreign films. Yes. Uh, with, like, some farm animal stuff uh, mm-hmm. in all three. Because in Burning, he like runs a failing farm with like one calf on it. Yeah, he has to sell the calf. The baby calf. They all have a lot to say about class, I would say, right. and like rural life versus city life. I fucking love Tina's life, though. That oh, cabin in the, in the woods. <laughs> and like, yeah, I would have kept the dogs and like kicked out rolling. Yeah. Just like leave your dogs life, and leave. Yeah. And I'll just chill here in this woods and like go swim in a fucking creek. I would say maybe burning is the one that requires the least amount of like trigger warnings out of all three of these. Like, yeah, that one's a pretty standard noir as far as like violence and sexuality goes. Scream at the end and like, ah, what are you doing? (laughs) What even happened? (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? Yeah, that happened. So I think I was so numb by that point. I was just like, huh, (laughs) like (laughs) drooling, like. Uh, but yeah, I think these are all three interesting movies. Yeah. I could talk more. I'm about I'm glad I saw those the two that you guys had yeah. uh, recommended because I wouldn't have watched them and I liked I liked them all. And I'm I would have I known Burning was I mean a uh, Border was finally available. It's yeah. such a quiet release. Well, I, my mom had rented Vox Lux when we were watching it. Oh, I, I didn't. Love that movie. I didn't finish it. And then that was a preview, and I was like, "Holy shit! How did I miss this fucking movie?" It's so good. And then I went like Google it. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm probably gonna have to like buy the Criterion of it or something and spend fifty dollars." And boom, Hulu. Nice. Hang out on Hulu. Which Disney owns Hulu now, and it's fascinating that they keep putting like really out there artsy films they have some on there. crazy show on hulu yeah yeah i love it because they could totally like eliminate interesting art if they wanted to they own the world that's where um <laughs> i was able to watch both of these sorted lives <laughs> movies oh yeah so, me yeah, too yeah. they have a lot of a lot of gay cinema on um hulu too for sure yeah well that probably isn't the last like 2018 films we'll see in love but yeah we're gonna put that to bed it's over uh <laughs> we're over 2018 yeah, and we're halfway it. through 2019 gotta start working on our best of this year list now right uh every day we put up a new review on swampflix.com also i would encourage people to go check out the gofundme campaign for the new orleans movie review project by bill arsenault short story version of it is mike scott who used to review movies for the times pick yoon was just fired but because they were bought by the advocate and a lot of people were fired because of that so there's no real big movie critic in new orleans anymore there's a few bloggers like us and like the anti-gravity Gambit and like anti-gravity stuff. and where you at those kind of like yeah. smaller things but yeah major publications don't have like a film critic on staff anymore so it's very weird to hear that we're like we're one of the last ones running 
Um, and Bill Arsenault, who was actually a guest on the show before, um, is trying to collect everyone in one spot with like a new publication that's dedicated to film in like the local oh, area. That's cool. It's very interesting. Maybe look at what he's doing. See if you want to support what it is. It's kind of sad how this is a very artsy city and it feels like it's hard to see artsy films here. Um, it takes a lot of True. effort. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with more outlandish, hideous art. Uh, James and I are going to be talking about porno movies. Mm. Movies about porno, not actual porn <laughs> not films. <just> porn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to continue this road movie thing and just pick our favorite porn compilations <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> and we'll see y'all Jesus then. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye.